Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. your Bibles here this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to flip to Mark chapter 11. And we're going to camp out in verses 12 through 23. And if you don't have your Bibles, totally okay. We have an incredible team, shameless plug for teams here, that are going to make sure that you have everything you need to know on the screen behind me. So Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 12, this is what it says. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves, because it was too early in the season for fruit. And Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Jump down to verse 20. The next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. And Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Now, right off the bat, I know that this is a ton of scripture to take in. I get it. We're going to unpack it all. But what I want you to see one more time is the thing that Jesus is looking for from this tree. In verse 12, the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs, but there were only leaves. If you're going to take one thing away from my message this morning, this is what I want you to take away from it. That Jesus Christ is not impressed by our look of showiness or our version of righteousness. In other words, our leaves. He died to save us and give us a life that produces fruit. He wants for us to have a life that impacts people in the world around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and this opportunity to come and learn from your word. God, I pray that you would give us hearts ready to receive every single thing that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. So if you don't know me, hi. I'm Keola. Uh, Hey, Uh, I have four beautiful children. I have an amazing dog named Tribe. And my husband and I moved our family here about four years ago to help build this church and this city. And we have loved it ever since we've been here. And right after we moved to Ventura, right after we got here, we decided that my oldest daughter and I decided that we wanted to to uh, grow a lemon tree because it's the perfect climate for that. And so we, the reason that we wanted to do that is because we wanted to have lemons for a lemonade stand. And the reason for the lemonade stand was because this was how we were going to get to know our neighbors. We were going to build this beautiful lemonade stand in my front yard, or my husband was, and we were going to get to know the neighbors this way. We would be known as that cute family down the block with that awesome lemonade and, you know, yay. And so... (laughs) So that's what we did. She and I went out, we bought this lemon tree, and we began to tend to it. We brought it home, started to water it and take care of it. And you know, within three weeks, we had done our job in killing it. We just, it was dead. It had one green stick branch on it with some leaves and... I was so upset and I was so like, what the heck? Why did this happen? And as I was venting my frustration and my broken hardness out to my husband about this, he decided that this would be the moment that he should make fun of my ability to grow things. (laughs) 
Yeah, you laugh, I didn't. I immediately was like on the defense of like, oh no, you did not. I will have you know that I served in 4-H and FFA my entire life. I was vice president of my FFA. I can and will bring this tree back to life. And so I began on a mission where I was gonna go out and I was gonna water this tree every day. And I read somewhere that if you say nice things to the, to the things that you're growing, that they'll produce better. So I would go out every day and I would water my lemon tree and I would tell her how pretty she was. And I would tell her how beautiful her leaves were and that when she got fruit, it was going to be the sweetest fruit in the whole world and so on and so forth. And wouldn't you know, my tree really started to take off, right? It started to grow and flourish. And so I did a little bit more, more research and realized you only have to water a lemon tree every three to four days, one inch of water a week. I know my stuff about lemon trees and fertilize it every three months and it really started to grow. I had to replant it twice and it started to get stronger. And I've been doing this routine now to my lemon tree for the last three and a half, almost four years. And as I was watering my tree a couple months ago, I felt the spirit of the Lord speak to me and say, Keola, how much longer are you gonna water this tree and tend to this tree before you get some fruit? And I immediately knew that the Lord was gonna take me on a journey and he was gonna use this tree to do it. And so I began to ponder that question. I began to think about that, but not just for my tree, for my life. And maybe you can relate to me a little bit here, but have you ever been doing something for so long and you thought to yourself, man, I've really been working hard on this, but I'm not yielding the fruit that I thought I was going to yield. For example, maybe you've been trusting in the Lord for your spouse, but you're still not in a relationship. Or you would say, you know, I work really, really hard on my career. I go in early, I stay late, I go above and beyond, but I'm still not getting those promotions. Or maybe your story is, hey, you know, I work hard on myself. I do not waste my life. I, I read the right self-help books. I st- I'm listening to the right podcast. I did not waste 2020 in lockdown watching Netflix. <laughs> Except for maybe that two days when we all watched Tiger King. That was it. But other than that, I really, really work on myself. And I'm still not getting those opportunities that I thought I would. And these questions are real and these circumstances are real. And there are times in our lives when we will tend to certain things, but we will not get the fruit that we thought we were going to. And we're left wondering why. And so I'm kind of thinking through all these things. And then it occurs to me that my neighbor lady, she got a lemon tree like two years after I did. And she already has so many lemons on that tree that she's constantly like looking in. She looks down into my yard with these buckets like, hey, Keola, I know you want to have lemonade. I, I swear she's tempting me. Like she's teasing me. And she's like, I got all these lemons. You want to have your lemonade stand? And I'm like, no, Karen, I don't want your stupid pity lemons. I want my own lemons for my own lemon tree that I, that I worked, you know? And quick side note, this is not a trendy joke. Her name actually actually is Karen. She's a real life Karen. She is real. (laughs) So again, my mind is starting now to process those questions. And in my life, how often has that been the story? So-and-so is five years younger than me. She's been in that relationship for three months. She's getting married next week. You know, or, or <laughs> you laugh, but it's real. Or, or how about this person has been in their career for way less time than I have. I have 10 years life experience, but they've been promoted twice. And why is that happening? So I began to dig a little deeper on these questions for my life, but also for my lemon tree. Why is this not working for me? And you know what I found out? That this thing that I have been growing, cultivating, giving all my time and my kind words to for the last four years is actually no longer a lemon tree. Yeah, thank you. It is now called, it's grown into something called a rootstock sucker. A rootstock sucker. And it is a weed that grows out of the trunk of a citrus tree. 
pretending to be the fruit tree while sucking the life from the tree to grow itself. Thank you for your reaction. Yeah, that's how I felt. Right? Remember that one green stick branch that I had? Rootstock sucker. I grew rootstock sucker. And this thing that I have been growing, this rootstock sucker, is a counterfeit. It has dressed itself up like the real thing, getting me to water it, getting me to feed it, getting me to tend to it, all while sucking the life from the tree to continue to grow itself. And I didn't know because it looked the part but it will never produce the fruit that I wanted. And if by some miracle it did give me some fruit because I've said all these nice things to it through the last four years, the fruit would be bad. It wouldn't be good fruit, it would be bitter and it would taste terrible and I would most likely resent it anyway. And so I tell you this story this morning because I am now on a mission to make sure that every person in the whole world knows about this devil rootstock sucker so that we can eradicate it and send it back to hell where it belongs. (laughs) Amen, right? Right. And I also, I tell you this story because I know that we all have things that we're growing in our lives. We all have these, these trees that we wanna grow, and I don't know what your particular lemon tree is. Maybe for you it's a relationship or a business or the fruits of the Spirit in your life. Whatever it may be, I know that we all have particular trees that we want to see flourish and we wanna yield fruit for them. And I also know that there is a very real enemy who wants to counterfeit the God-given things that you have. He wants to change them and manipulate them and, and try to stop you from producing the fruit that you were intended to produce. So pulling from scripture today, I wanna give you three thoughts around this idea of roots and fruits and how we can protect what God is growing in us and through us. And number one is we have to be able to identify and cut off the rootstock suckers of our lives immediately. We have to be able to identify and cut off these things in our lives immediately. And as we are growing and cultivating our dreams, our ambitions, our hopes, whatever it may be, we need to know that a rootstock sucker can and will pop up at any given moment. It's just up to us to go, oh, that's a sucker, let's cut it off, right? To protect us and what we're growing. So how do we recognize it when it happens in our lives? How do we, how do these things begin to grow? Well, the book of James verses, chapter one, verses 14 and 15 says this. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to death and sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. What this is saying is our God-given desires, the things that God has given to us, they can be manipulated and changed and they can be replaced by an evil desire. That's the rootstock suckers of our life. And it's this desire to get something the wrong way, maybe the way that God said not to do it. And when that happens, it gives birth to sin and the sin gives birth to death, just like the rootstock sucker. Now, a couple of things about the scripture here that I want to make sure you know is this word temptation literally means to pull you in and entice you further. It's not something that you can just walk past and you're like, oh, that's pretty, it's fine, I'm going to keep moving. No, this for me would be Auntie Anne's in the mall, okay? So, like, when I'm walking through the mall, I smell the smell, and it draws me in and it entices me to go check out what's going on over there, even though I know I shouldn't. And before I know it, I've left Auntie Anne's because I let myself be dragged away by my own evil desire. And I've left Auntie Anne's with two full pretzels, all the cheddar that they have there, the things of the little pretzel bites, the slushy that's only two pounds of sugar and pure red dye, and I hate myself for it, right? This is the temptation that it's speaking of. Or, and the word desire here speaks of things that we know 
are wrong. This is not like, oh, someday I desire to have a family. That's a God-given desire for your life. Not a bad desire. Or, hey, it's hot outside, I wanna get a scoop of ice cream. Unless you intend on eating all the scoops of ice cream in the ice cream store, not a bad desire for your life. Do it. This would be more when this temptation and this desire, this counterfeited desire, this is what it would more look like. Hey, I know God's told me not to have bitterness and anger in my life, so I'm gonna forgive all of the people. And Jessica, she hurt me deep and she wounded me bad, but you know what? I'm choosing not to hold on to those, to those feelings of bitterness and anger, so I'm gonna forgive her. But your best friend doesn't know that you've just made that decision. And being the best friend that she is, she's just heard about the light, latest thing that Jessica did, so she's gonna call you up and tell you about it. And she's gonna say, ooh, girl, did you just hear what Jessica just did? Rootstock sucker. It's the temptation. You can either cut it off immediately and go, you know, you know what? I didn't hear it, and I can go the rest of my life without knowing what she did because I have forgiven her and I'm letting it go. Or you can be drawn in by that, those feelings and you can go, ooh, no, what'd she do? And as she, as she begins to water this thing in your life, now you've decided that she no longer deserves your forgiveness and you've allowed this bitterness and this anger to steal the fruit of joy and peace that God had for your life. That's what this would look like. Or maybe you felt the Lord in stressing to you lately, hey, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And the way that that looks like for us is we're going to serve the local church on Sundays. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to teach my kids what it looks like to serve on team on Sunday mornings. And so for us, the way that that looks is we're not going to play travel sports if it takes us out on Sundays. We're just not going to do that. That's that's not what we're going to do. And if somebody comes into town, a relative or a friend, they're coming to church with us. We're not going to miss church because they're here. They're coming. I know it's this is the most beautiful place in the world to live. It is. And sometimes on Sundays, man, that beach is enticing. But it's just going to have to wait until after service. Or maybe for you, it's something in your marriage. I don't know what it is. I, know, I just know that there are countless areas in our lives where rootstock suckers can pop up and begin to suck the things that God had for us. And most of the time, our initial desire is not the issue. It's when the desire is tempted and manipulated and counterfeited and has a chance to grow into sin that it becomes the issue. Now, I don't want to stand up here and condemn you, and I hope that you're not feeling that from me, because we all have desires, and we all have God-given desires, and in our maturing process, we have to learn how to uh, cultivate those and identify the rootstock suckers so that we can cut those out of our lives. And again, I want you to hear what that scripture says, sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now, I want to make this very, very clear and very plain and easy for every person to understand. Sin, and it's basic form is just violating the known will of God in your life. Sin broken down is just doing the thing that God said not to do for you. It's, it's, uh, it's a disobedience. And this disobedience, when it's allowed to grow, will eventually kill not only the dreams that we have for ourselves, but the God-given dreams that he had for us. And if we are lucky, just postpone them. But most of the time, it will, it will kill these things. It's the story of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. We all know that story, right? Eve saw the fruit. It looked pleasing to her eyes. It looked good to her. So she ate it, and it caused her demise. But it wasn't the fruit that was the issue. It was the fact that God said, no. Don't eat from that tree. Any other tree, not that tree. And the fact that she disobeyed caused the demise of all of humanity. 
I'm fully convinced that had, had Eve gone to the Father in one of their nightly walks through, through the garden and said, Lord, I want all of the knowledge. Will you teach me all of the ways and all of the things? I'm fully convinced that he would have said, yes, absolutely. I'd love to. I'd love to teach it. I just don't want you linked with it. And so she, but, but the enemy tempts her and she sees a different, quicker way and she takes it instead of doing it the way that God said to do it. And it's this disobedience again that turns into sin and kills the things that we hope for. Begins like no big deal, but before you know it, it's had a chance to, to mature and grow, and it sucked the life from the tree to grow itself. So how do we make sure then that our desires stay pure and that they don't turn into these rootstock suckers in our lives? Well, let's look at the original scripture when we started here in Mark eleven twenty. 20. In verse 20, it says, The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. So Jesus answers them and says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and who does not doubt in his heart, but believes that these things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Wait, what? Did you guys catch what just happened here? Jesus, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. And Jesus is all like, yeah, I know. Have faith in God. Oh, and by the way, you can tell that mountain to move into the sea, and it will do it if you believe it in your heart. It's like, if I'm a disciple, which I am, I read this and I'm like, wait, what? What does have faith in God have to do with the cursing of the fig tree? And Jesus, like, I'm not talking to you about mountains. I'm talking to you about, what is up? I can throw a mountain into a sea. What are you trying to say? Are we talking about the same things? Anybody else with me on that? It's like, wait, what? But what Jesus is saying here is gold. His response to the disciples is exactly what we need to know to cut out the rootstock suckers of our life. The point he's making is this, is that we should trust in God to remove whatever hinders us from bearing fruit. Have faith in God. Trust in him to kill those things which don't bring fruit to your lives. And this um, moving a mountain was a metaphor in Jewish literature. It was a metaphor and it was used for, for saying or doing what was seemingly impossible. And those who believe and trust in God can have the confidence that he will accomplish even the impossible in their lives. He will remove the rootstock, the rootstock from our lives. If we ask him and believe that he has done it, it will be done. That's what it says. So number one, we have to identify and cut off the rootstock suckers of our life because number two, we want to produce fruit, not just showy leaves that look pretty. I did not buy a lemon tree because I wanted a green tree. I bought a lemon tree because I wanted to be the cute family with the lemonade stand and the fresh lemons. I wanted the lemons and had I recognized immediately this root stock coming out of my tree and cut it off, I would have a lemon tree today. But I missed the signs and I'm not the only person who gets upset with a fruit tree that doesn't produce fruit. I want you to see how Jesus feels about it in this text. And a little context here as we move into it. This is coming right after the triumphal entry. Jesus has just ridden in to Jerusalem as king. People are crying out, Hosanna. They have recognized him as Lord, and he's going to go straight to the temple in Jerusalem. 
And when he, when he goes there, he takes in the sights. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't say anything. just takes it in. And then he's going to head back to Bethany to stay the night. And this is where we're going to pick up. And the next morning, you know, he's headed back into, the Jerusalem, into Jerusalem. And his mission to head back into Jerusalem is because he's going to begin, he is going to, begin to kick the people out and to force people to leave his father's house. And I'm sure he's already frustrated at what he saw taking place, and this is what happens. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. And Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. And one of the first things that I notice about this scripture is how mad Jesus is about this fruit. He's angry. I mean, Jesus is hangry in this moment. And, and I relate to him on that because I'm a foodie. And when I want to eat, I want to eat now. And I will curse some people out if I don't get that food. And so I'm like, dang, Jesus, you are mad. You walk up, expect some fruit. There's none. And you curse the dang thing forever. I mean, he kills it. And I'm going, Jesus, was it really the tree's fault that it wasn't in season? The text tells us the tree wasn't in season. Was it the tree's fault? Surely Jesus knew that, but I want you to think about what he had just witnessed in the temple the night before. With the leaders of religion and the people who were coming and they were using his father's house and they were treating it as common. That's what it says. They were treating it as common. This place, this holy place that was to house the presence of the Lord, the people came in and they treated it like nothing more than some common marketplace. And Jesus actually says, he says in the text, this was to be set apart as a house of prayer for my people and you have turned it into a den of robbers. And Jesus takes these sights home with him. He doesn't do anything which is a lesson in anger for us. And he, I believe that Jesus probably talked to the Lord about it. He probably went to the Father like, Jesus, do you see what's, ha- or God, do you see what's happening? And I'm sure he must have been filled with some righteous anger that next day as he's headed back in. And then he's walking up to this fig tree and he expects there to be the fruit of the tree because it's showy and it's mature. And it looks the part and yet again, disappointment is gonna set in with what he finds. Once again, he sees this beautiful thing on the outside, but when inspected deeper, it has nothing to offer his people. And this is exactly what he found at the temple. When he went, he, the people looked apart, but they offered no good substance to his kingdom. It's the same reason that my lemon tree frustrates me so much. It's because the value that comes from the tree is in the fruit, not in the leaves. The value comes from the fruit, and it's the same with you and I. Our value doesn't come from our perfect highlight reels on social media. Our value comes by the fruit that we produce and feed to God's kingdom and to his people. And again, I, I don't want to condemn you up here. That, that's, I promise you that's not my, my mission. We all have rootstock, and we all have rootstock suckers in our lives. We just have these issues that are going to pop up, and we need to tend to them. And it's easy to impress people from a distance. But what do they see when they come up close and they begin to inspect your trees? My husband said one time to me, and it hit me so deep in my court. It was so powerful. He said, Keola, true achievement is when people who know you the best respect you the most. And I thought, you know what? That's, that's good. The people who know you the best, they stand the closest. They see the fruit that you bring into every situation. When those people truly respect you, then you know you're doing something right. But I'd like to take that thought a little bit further because people are flawed. And honestly, we can be impressed by some really scandalous things, right? 
But what does Jesus think when he comes and he stands beside us and he begins to inspect our tree? Because the word tells us that Jesus is the one who knows us the best. And he is the one who sticks closer to a brother. So what does he see when he begins to examine our lives? Because he is not impressed by our leaves. He is moved by our fruit. And in our current context, you and I are at the temple of the Lord. So what is he seeing when he comes and inspects our temples? Are we exuding love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control? Are we taking care of his people? Are we making disciples? Because just like the temple teachers and the leaders of that time period, we have been given everything we need to know and all the instructions on how to produce a fruit that satisfies. We just have to recognize and cut off the rootstocks immediately. We, we need to know that we produce good fruit, not just showy leaves. And number three, we need to know that we have been chosen to bear a fruit that remains. I want you to see something in the scripture, and I'm going to say this as delicately as I possibly can. And if you don't know me, I'm an Enneagram 8. It means that I have a very difficult time sometimes saying things delicately, but I'm going to try. <laughs> no matter what season we find ourselves in, no matter what time, what we're going through, the fruit should remain on our branches. And I know that there are hard seasons and there are tough moments in our lives. I am very well aware of that. When we've been waiting for something and anticipating it for so long, but we just can't, still can't see it on the horizon and our patience begins to dwindle a little bit. We don't understand why. And these last 18 months as a world have been the hardest months that we've ever seen. It's been really difficult for a lot of people and I'm not minimizing that. I know that there are moments when it's really hard to find the truth in the fact that the joy of the Lord is our strengths. I know that. I know firsthand how, lar- how hard this last year has been. I lost my best friend of 27 years to cancer. And I still can't bring it up without my eyes filling with tears and my heart wanting to rip through my chest. See? I know how difficult it can be to remain faithful and joyful and steadfast when you're walking through something excruciating like that. And if I'm being completely vulnerable and honest with you, I would tell you that there were moments going through this with her when I wanted to rip everything off of the walls. And I wanted to scream and I wanted to cry until my voice came out. And there were moments when it was very, very difficult to continue trusting in the Lord. When I felt like I was doing everything right, but the fruit wasn't yielding. I wasn't seeing it the way that I thought I should be seeing it. But it is in these moments, in these trying times, when we find out how much we have actually grown in Jesus. It's in these moments where we begin to see how mature our trees are in him. And again, I want to be very delicate here, but Jesus didn't seem to accept the excuse that the fruit wasn't on the tree because it wasn't in season. He cursed it. The tree was mature enough to have fruit, and so he expected the fruit to be there regardless of the season it was in. Look what Jesus says in John 15, 16. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I have appointed you and placed you, purposely planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing, that your fruit would remain and be lasting. Now, one of the really cool things that I didn't tell you, and I'm gonna invite the band to come back up, about rootstock is that if you take rootstock and you graft it, if you take it when you see it, and you graft it into something known as a scion, and you wrap that piece up and it begins to heal and grow together, you'll get a whole new tree. 
And most of the time you'll get a really powerful tree that will yield according to the scion, not the rootstock. It will produce the fruit that, from, from the scion. And as Christians, this is exactly what has happened for you and I. We have been uprooted and grafted into the scion that is Jesus Christ. And the reason that we can bear fruit that remains during any season of our lives is because we are bearing his fruit. When we are wrapped up and we are bound in Jesus Christ, we are never not in season. He gives us everything we continually need to bear good fruit. Now, I want you to hear me correctly when I say this. I am not standing up here telling you today that you can't have a very real moment of anger. I am not saying that you're not gonna have very real moments of frustration and disappointment and sadness. We are all going to experience those in our lives. And when we do, we serve a good and loving God who's capable of handling all of those perfectly and delicately and even expecting it from us. What I am saying today is that we have to get into a place in our walk where, with the Lord where even though our soul may weep, even though our soul may be downcast, our spirit is unmoved. And I mentioned a little bit ago that I know what it's like to go through difficult times. We all do. And a few months ago, Steve and I were walking through some pretty difficult things and we had a choice to make. We could either put our trust in ourselves and what we can make happen, or we could put our trust in the Lord and continue to, to trust him. And we had a word from the, Lord, from the Lord, a word that was confirmed, and it was the word to wait, to not do anything. We were to wait. But how many of you know the, the more time you have to wait, it gets increasingly difficult to wait. And so we had a choice, make your own plans or tend to your faith. And so we came to prayer. We decided we were gonna come to prayer. We always come to prayer. We decided this particular Thursday night that we were going to come to prayer and we were going to tend to our faith. We were gonna put ourselves in an environment where we could remind ourselves who God is, who he really is. I serve the, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What that means is that he, the same God that I serve is the same God who holds the sun in the sky for 24 hours. He is the same God today who split the Red Sea and made a dry road through it. He is the same God who continually moves on his people's behalf for his people. That's who I serve. He's bigger than my problem. He is the problem solver. And so we came in and I mean, we worshiped. I was going to remind my soul until my soul knew what my spirit knew, that God is good and faithful and he will come through in this. And it was in that church service when we got a, um, a word from Pastor Jude. It was actually in this context. It was Mark chapter, Mark 11, 22 and 24. And once we received that word, we had three options. As do you, anytime you hear a word, we could hear it and go, you know, you know what, that's not really, I don't think that's a word for me right now. No, thank you. Or you can hear it and you go, no, that sounds good. Yeah, I think that's a word for my life right now. And you can receive it and do nothing with it. Or you can do what we did. We heard this word and we thought, no, this is, this is what we came for. This is a word for this particular moment in our life. And we began to invest in it and water it. We took that word home and for over a week, we pulled it apart. We studied it. We meditated on it. We backed that word up all the way to the beginning of the chapter. I wanted to know every single thing that Jesus was saying. Why was he saying it? Who was he saying it to? How did it apply to their lives? How does it apply to my life? What is he saying? And I wish that I had a video recorder when for what happened next. When Steve came back together and we began to talk about this word, it was late one night in my kitchen.
and a holy laughter began to break out. I mean, I believe at one point Steve started dancing around the, the island. I don't know. It was like, oh my God, he's gonna do it. He's gonna do the thing. Nothing in the physical had changed. Nothing had changed naturally, but spiritually something shifted in me. Spiritually, I knew that I knew that I knew that God was going to come through again. He was gonna be faithful. Why did I know that? Because I watered what God had planted. I cultivated his word in my life and it produced a faithfulness in me. I watered it and it produced joy where the joy was lacking. It produced peace where there was only confusion and chaos about what we were going to do. And this is what we have to begin. This is how we cultivate the words in our lives. And you know, at some point, we're all gonna stand before a very holy and righteous God and he is gonna inspect our trees. He's gonna see our fruits. And I know that this is a sobering thought, but sometimes it's good to be sobered up a little, amen? And so whether we are here for the return of Christ or we pass away before that moment, we are all going to stand before him and be judged. And for the Christians in the room, he's not gonna judge your sin. He's already laid that judgment on Jesus Christ, but he is gonna judge your fruit. He will reward your good fruit and he will reject your bad fruit. And wisdom tells us that we should be considering these questions here and now. And again, rootstock in and of itself can only produce a bitter fruit, but when grafted with the scion, it becomes a powerful, good producing tree. And maybe for you, you're sitting here this morning and you're realizing, I don't have any good fruit, not the kind that Jesus speaks of, because you're realizing that I'm not grafted in. And let me tell you, that is okay. Because while we were still sinners, while we were still messed up and broken and producing bitter fruit, that's when God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. And he loves you and he wants you to receive. And if you would simply receive this free gift of salvation that he offers, it's for you. And that's gonna be the first fruit that he inspects on that tree that day. Do they have the fruit of salvation? And I'd like to invite everybody to stand up. And I wanna make sure that I give an opportunity now to receive that fruit. In Romans 10, it says that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved with him for all of eternity. So with every eye closed and every head bowed this morning, I'm gonna count to three. And if that's you and you would like to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life today, I'm gonna ask when I get to three that you would boldly raise your hand. One. If you're feeling an urge here, I can promise you it's not because of anything I've said. It's because Jesus Christ is pulling you to himself. And the Bible says that only he can bring those to him. Two, now is your time. Don't go another day without bearing this good fruit. And three, if that's you, just lift your hand high. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I see you. I see you. Amen. Amen. This is the greatest day of your life, and I'm so excited for you. With every head bowed and eye closed, let's all repeat this. Lord, we thank you for your free gift of salvation. God, you are the son of the living God who died for my sins. I worship you today, and I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How exciting, right? We're going to move back into worship here in just a second. But before we do, I want to give a couple opportunities of prayer for a couple other people. 
Maybe you would say, you know what? I've been challenged by this word. It's not an easy word to hear, but I have been challenged by it. And I want more of the fruit. I want to yield more of the fruit that the Lord has for me. But there's something in your life that you need to cut away or you need him to cut away. There's a mountain that needs to be removed from you. And I want to remind you what Jesus said. He said, trust God and tell it to move and it will. And so we're going to come to the Lord today, this morning. If you've got something in your life that you feel like that needs to be cut away or I need you to show me what it is, we're going to come to him and we're going to believe that he's going to do the thing right now. He's going to cut it away so that we can begin to produce good fruit. Or maybe you've already started the process this morning of removing the rootstock in your life. And you would say, no, that's not the issue for me, but I need to feed and water what God has already planted. I need to feed the dream, the ambition, the word that he's given to me. And if that's you, I wanna pray for you as well this morning. So if either one of those things, again, every eye closed and head bowed, if either one of those things belong to you, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you that your word does not return void. And God, I thank you that you have gone before us even in this moment. Lord, for anybody in this room that's asking for things to be cut away from them, God, I I thank you that it's been done in Jesus' name. We believe that everything has been cut out and gone away, that we will be a fruit-yielding people, that we will change our community because of the fruit that we bear on our limbs. Do what only you can do for these people in Jesus' name. And God, I also pray right now that if you've given somebody a word or a dream, that you would begin to ignite it in them right now, that you would show them how to water it and care for it, to cultivate and tend to it, God. That it would begin to become a successful thing and a testimony to your goodness and faithfulness. We thank you, Jesus, for all the things that you're doing in us and through us. And it's in your mighty name. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.